Sound of Hockey 143, we are calling this one uh, the Tom Curvers episode. So starting this one off on a little bit of a different note than how we normally do. Uh, very sadly, Tom Curvers, who's a longtime NHL player and NHL executive, passed away uh, this week after uh, about a two and a half year battle with lung cancer. Um, everyone talks so highly of him and, uh, you know, it's uh, it's sad to see that happen. He's only 58 years old, so um, way too early. Uh, I actually do have a little bit of a personal anecdote to share with you. So my brother, Adam, who uh, is a friend of the pod, you might recall he That's was right. <laughs> on our show very briefly. Uh, I think it was like two years ago now. He actually does this thing where he goes up to Northern Minnesota and plays in a father-son golf tournament. And they did it maybe five, six years ago, and Tom Curvers and his kid were randomly paired with them to be partners, like playing partners in the oh, cool. in the tournament. Apparently, Tom Curvers is an absolute incredible golfer. And so they're playing on like a nine hole par three type of course. But Tom and his son won the tournament and Tom had a hole in one. So pretty, what? pretty cool story. And what's really, <laughs> what's really great. And this tells you like how, how good of a guy he is. You know, Tom remembered my brother and uh, his son. And then for the next like three or four years, they continued to intentionally get paired up to play together in that tournament. So that's yeah, awesome. really, really cool thing. And, and uh, he's just, uh, he will be missed in the hockey world. Apparently, uh, you know, just a, a very, very good human. So. Is he a Minnesota native? He is. Yeah. Uh, he, he was a Hobie Baker winner for Minnesota Duluth. Uh, yeah. He was an executive for the Tampa Bay Lightning for a while. He was uh, executive for the Minnesota Wild. He actually was still uh, listed as an assistant general manager here up until the end of his life. So uh, yeah. very sad news and sorry to start it on a sad note, but I uh, thought we should share that. Uh, the hockey world is definitely uh, grieving that loss. And um, Eddie Olchek did a really, really impressive tribute to him during the Lightning Islanders game on Monday, uh, where Eddie obviously got very choked up and um, it was a pretty cool moment. So, hey, let's talk about some more fun stuff. This is Sound of Hockey. I am Darren Brown at Darren Fun Brown on the Twitter, joined as always by Andy Eide. Hello, Andy. How's it going? I'm at Andy Eide on the Twitter. And John Barr. Hello, John. Hello, everybody. I'm NHL2 Seattle on the Twitter. And we are coming to you from Seattle. I am coming down off of a pretty serious bout with uh, food poisoning on Monday, or what I think was food poisoning. Let me tell you, it's been a pretty fun 24 hours for me, uh, <laughs> and I'm feeling better this morning, but it's still a little bit touch and go, so we'll see how this how this goes. This is I'm sitting up at my desk now, and this is the first time that I haven't been just lying horizontal in approximately <laughs> 16 hours, so we'll see how this goes. Sounds about right. We do have a review to share with you. It comes from PDF. Port. It says, waited too long to give a review. Couldn't agree more, but you know what? Uh, better late than never, PDX Port. So really appreciate it. Uh, it says, it's a five-star review. It says, longtime listener from down in the Portland area with no excuses for not giving a review sooner. You know what? <laughs> Listen, as long as you know, right, like what your mistake is here, we're not going to hold it against you. We just want to make sure yeah, that you no understand. Worries. We don't judge. Right. We don't judge. Right. And we're honestly, we're thrilled to have the five-star review. So thank you for it. It says, these guys are great, witty, and knowledgeable. They're back and forth with each other kind of reminds me of brothers talking about hockey, but these guys what? at least know what they are talking about. As a longtime Canes <laughs> fan, that's, that's I really enjoy the Canes discussions 
as it pertains to the Kraken. Great to know that John Forsland is on board next season. I hope you have him on the show someday. We hope so too. Uh, we think that that may happen at some point. So uh, he's been a little busy with calling <laughs> NHL games. So Like seven games in seven days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally every day he's been calling games. So. Um, anyway, thank you so much, PD Export, for that great five-star review. Uh, if you leave your five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we will certainly read it on next week's show if you haven't left one already. And let's talk about a little bit of Seattle news here. So first and foremost, we have a WHL update from our WHL correspondent, Andy Eide. Hello, Andy. Yes, uh, the good news coming out of the WHL that they are on schedule to start their season. Uh, first of October, second October, depending on what your favorite team is. Um, every team has announced uh, their home dates or their, or at least their home opener, excuse me, with the full schedule coming out later this week. I know from Seattle, I'm not sure about the other teams, but so they are planning for a full 68 game season. Fans will be allowed. Uh, as far as right now, everything's going to be full capacity. And other exciting news is that the Everett preseason tournament on September 10th will be back this year. So there's actually preseason games that are already been scheduled. So. So is it pretty much like a week delay start? Yeah, they usually start at the end of September. So it's yeah. So it's maybe five, six days later. Yeah, so that's really not that bad. So. Yeah, uh, the only difference this year from normal seasons as far as uh, they're not going to play uh, between the conferences. So if you're a Western Conference team, if you're Everett or Seattle, you're oh, only, really? only going to wow. play Western Conference teams. They, you will see the BC teams this year, but you're not going to go out East or anything like that. So that's the only Oh, difference. so no Connor Bedard, huh? Connor Bedard right. will not be appearing in the state of Washington, yeah, unfortunately. Oh, that so sucks. We'll see what happens next year. Which okay. will be his last, right? Is it next year? Yeah, last yeah, it'll year? be. <laughs> yeah, well, it's great as he's got one more year. Yeah, yeah the 2022-2023 season will be his last in the WHL. So, uh, and we also have a bit of Kraken news. I had surmised that Anson Carter was going to be the uh, second to work with John Forsland. Speaking of John Forsland, turns out it's not. Who is it, John? It's JT Brown. I love it. Yeah, I do too. He's uh, so cool. He's great. He's definitely been. He's an undrafted NHL mm. player. He was an undrafted drafted NHL player and just retired to take this job with the Seattle Kraken as the first TV analyst. So alongside John Forslund, like you said, played 365 games in the NHL. He was um, a big proponent for social justice issues before, you know, last year. He's been at this for a long time. Um, really excited. What do you guys think? I think it's brilliant. It's so, it is so off the beaten path and it's so different, you know, but they have the old white guy in John Forsland who's been doing this forever. <laughs> right. And like they had to, they just had to come up, you, you know, this is the Kraken's mantra. Like they have to be inclusive. Right. And who's more of an inclusive hire than JT Brown, who's at the forefront of all these things. Um, and I absolutely love the, the hire. You know, one thing that I think is interesting he hasn't had real experience doing this kind of work but he is yeah. like a semi-pro video game player on the side and he has a pretty big following on twitch so he's definitely used to being in front of cameras and talking on air and things of that nature um and like obviously he's got a ton of experience in the world of hockey so um i love it i think that you know it, it speaks to a little bit of a, a different audience and to a younger audience for that reason um and i think he's going to do great things for the crack and I'm, I'm pretty pumped with this hire yeah and, and it kind of it was off the beaten path as darren's said because he was still playing last year in Europe so I don't think anybody really thought of him because he was still playing like we didn't know he was gonna uh, retire so a uh, nice nice pickup I'm not sure how that came to be but pretty nice that they the Kraken were able to find out that's what his plans were yeah I love it uh, we also had a release of players that are exempt from the expansion draft due to injury so these are the like you know career ending injury people that clearly cannot be picked up uh, they are as follows Ryan Kessler Marion Hosa oh. Brandon Dubinsky Brent Seabrook Andrew Shaw Stephen Johns Henrik Zetterberg Corey Crawford Lucas Visa Johnny Boychuk 
Matt Niskanen, Zach Trotman, Alex Steen, Marion Gabrick, Anders Nilsson, Michael Furland, Brian Little, and Henrik Lundqvist, who I actually kind of think Lundqvist might come back and play one day, but yeah. we kind of knew all this, right? Yeah. I mean, the one thing is we we kind of circled Brent Seabrook, uh, you know, even as early as like last year or maybe two years ago at this point as a person that was going to kind of tie the hands of Chicago Blackhawks because he had a no move clause. And so we were kind of anticipating him being protected, which would open up somebody else. Now that all changed a couple of months ago when he kind of announced his retirement because of injury. So that was the only thing that, I mean, we, we kind of expected him to be on the list, but it was something we were tracking. Now, what I was really more interested in is two people that are not on the list. Let me guess. Never mind. Not on the list. I was going to say Marion Gabrick and Marion Hossa because <laughs> those two. I mean, Gabrick, obviously a great expansion player based on his days with the Minnesota Wild. Uh, mm-hmm. Hossa, you know, I'm I'm still hoping that he's going to come back from his mysterious skin issue. Okay. okay but speaking of the Chicago Blackhawks, mm-hmm. Jonathan Taze, oh. right? You know, he was diagnosed or wasn't diagnosed, kind of a mystery or they haven't disclosed it. But he hasn't played all season because of he's been lethargic and tired. And so he hasn't been able to get through that. So I was wondering if they would put him on this injury list, which would then allow the Chicago Blackhawks to expose another player. But Chicago doesn't have a lot to offer in the expansion draft. So it's not like the end of the world and they probably would protect him anyway. So no harm done there other than it's something I was keeping an eye on. The other one is Oscar Clefbaum. And I believe we've talked about Oscar Clefbaum a lot before. Uh, and a couple months ago, I think he he was quoted as saying, oh, I don't know if I'm going to come back. I, <laughs> you know, I'm just recovering. Who knows? And I think that was a, a total ruse to like get Seattle off his tail a bit and maybe not draft him thinking that there was a risk. Edmonton is in a difficult position because they've got probably four defensemen they want to protect, but only spots for three because they loaded up front where they want to protect more than four forwards. And so Clefbaum is going to probably be either the third or fourth defenseman if he's fourth. That means he's exposed. The other person in question is Caleb Jones, who's a lot younger but really hasn't established himself in the NHL yet. So I think that was interesting that he's not on the list and that's good for Seattle. So I'm happy about that. We also have a coaching update. Uh, Rod Brindamore, I'm sorry to say he did resign with the Carolina Hurricanes. So John, your 50-50 take from last week did not pan out that well. Although it could have still been, yeah, it could have still been (laughs) 50-50 and maybe the 50 that it came up on was the 50 of him going back to Carolina. So maybe it wasn't that bad of a take, but it was pretty funny that, you you know, we talked about like, oh, there's totally still a chance. Then like the following day, they announced that he was re-signing for three years. Wow. We figured it was coming sooner or later. Right. Yeah. Uh, a couple other names that have been thrown out recently by Elliot Friedman, Tony Granado of my Wisconsin Badgers and Joe Sacco, uh, who sounds a lot like Joe Sackick, but he's not. <laughs> he's Joe Sacco. Uh, ironically, used to work for Joe Sackick in the Colorado Avalanche system. Uh, what do we think about these names, gentlemen? Both of them were former Colorado Avalanche coaches. I mm-hmm. think Sacco replaced Granado. Yeah. Neither one has a, a you know a stellar record as a head coach. Granado's now in, in Wisconsin, and Sacco had been an assistant for a long time, most recently Boston. I don't know what to make of these. I don't know how serious they are. Sacco, the more I've read about him, kind of intrigues me a little bit. And I did talk to somebody who knows him who said he'd be a good coach, but for whatever that's worth. Obviously, you're not going to say your friend sucks, but <laughs> yeah, my, my buddy, he's terrible. Yeah. But it is somebody who did coach with him and, and played with him. So I don't know. I don't know how serious those guys are. Friedman kind of threw it out there as a, you know, one of his maybes kind of, I've heard these kind of things. Uh, he also- yeah, it, it was really speculative. So I mm-hmm. think we should maybe set expectations that this was yeah. like, he was basically saying, yeah, I, these names aren't the out next, there, but yeah. it could be out there. I think I've heard it, but not really. So 
I think we're going to hear an announcement this week. Interesting. Well, we better get the podcast turned around quickly then. So well, we- Friedman, Friedman did also mention that Rick Tockett was uh, out for a third visit, which I think we already heard before, but they had narrowed it down to two people, Tockett being one of them, and then he was throughout these other names to speculate who might be the other one. So, And uh, we also saw that David Quinn had had an interview with the Kraken at some point, that's right. so, yep. um, which I like that one too. Uh, anyway, that's what's happening there uh, on the coaching front. That's an interesting surmisation. Sir, sir uh, prediction, John, that you are <laughs> expecting to see higher this week. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Hey, we have a get off my lawn. It's been a while since we've had one of these. Yeah, our uh, lawns have been relatively clear. Yeah, I think the last get off my lawn was Strawberry the Rabbit, which was quite literally right. a get off my lawn. Uh, so what's what's the story here? So a listener tweeted at us from Ye Old Tonk, mm-hmm. Y-E-O-L-D Tonk. Uh, he says, I get being a Tampa guy or a fan, but wearing a lightning sweater to a baseball game, is this a get off my lawn moment for me? He <laughs> at Sound of Hockey. So uh-huh. it's a picture of a Mariners game, probably taken from TV, where somebody's kind of in the sixth row wearing a Tampa Bay Lightning jersey. Mm. And I thought, hmm, interesting discussion. What so do you they think? were playing Tampa Bay, right? The Mariners had a game? Oh, I actually didn't realize that angle of it. That makes a lot of sense. You know, mm-hmm. I have a lot of respect for this. I think it shows like, hey, look at me. I'm a Tampa Bay fan. But what I don't enjoy is like when there's two, let's say if, oh, well, I'm going to go to some hashtag minutia here. If there's a Vikings <laughs> game and a wild Surprise. game in the same day, I always hate uh-huh. when there's like a bunch of people in the wild stands wearing Vikings jerseys for some reason, which I can't really, mm. I can't really wrap my head around why that bothers me. But this particular <laughs> instance doesn't bother me for some reason. I'm not really sure why it doesn't bother me. I also think there's something to be said because it's the playoffs as well so Mm. even if the tampa bay rays weren't playing i think it would have been okay to wear a tampa bay lightning jersey to a random baseball game that has nothing to do with the city you're wearing that's true only because it's like their time it's the playoffs like it's important time to show your allegiances to your hockey team that's my take Mm -hmm. i'm now excited for darren to be upset when the Kraken have a home game and the Seahawks are playing. Oh, man. <laughs> it's going to be oh a bunch God. of Seahawks jerseys at the, oh. the Climate Pledge Arena. <laughs> or on a yeah. Friday. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Oh, Friday. It's going to happen. It's definitely going to happen. <laughs> uh, speaking of Darren being upset, we have some hashtag minutia to talk about. Yes, we do. Oh, yes, great. we do. Oh. Karel Kaprizov, who we've talked about once or twice on this show in the past. I don't, I've never heard of him. <laughs> he is an RFA. So Minnesota obviously has to re-sign him. There's a unique situation where he cannot be offer sheeted. Uh, Really, the only thing he can do is go back to Minnesota. The word around the campfire is that he wants a short-term deal so that he can really cash in on his next contract, although, you know, they're going to give him eight, nine, ten million bucks anyway on this contract. Uh, So Minnesota has offered him a max contract of eight years, uh, but he does not want that. So uh, they're trying to get as much term as possible so that they don't just lose him to free agency in a few years. Uh, Well, Kevin Weeks tweeted out this week something along the lines of, hey, uh, contract negotiations have gone stale. He is in Moscow right now, and it sounds like signing with Seska, his old team in the KHL, is an option. So we, I didn't know, first of all, that he had the option to go back to Russia, although I don't know if it's like a, a breach in contract or whatever, if he goes back to Russia. If I had to guess, I really think this is just posturing from his agent uh, because Kevin Weeks, like that was the same agent, was Kevin Weeks' agent. So clearly it's coming from the agent. 
but I'm just like, all right, don't do crap like this to me. This is like the first time in so long that we've started to have nice things in Minnesota. And uh, just please don't do this to me. Great player, but man, is he worth the headache? It was a headache to Shut get in there. Shut up, Andy. <laughs> What's the term he's asking for? Uh, sh- whatever is the shortest he can get. I think it's been reported like two or three years is what he wants. Uh, and the Wild want him for eight. So they need to try to meet in the middle, like five or six years. Well, do they? Well, why do they? Because they're going to lose him to Seska Moscow now. Didn't you well, hear what I just said? No, I'm just saying, <laughs> why can't they sign him in two or three years? Because, I mean, there's they a lot of reasons for it. Yeah, they want him locked up. And, and no, you know, I, his... I understand the, the motivation. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying he, they don't have to. They can still sign him for two or three and then get another contract after that. Yeah, but, but they just they put themselves in such a bad situation if they do that in two or three years, right? They're going to have to go through this whole thing again, and it feels highly likely that they lose him at that point. So Remind me, Darren, there was some, you know, getting him there in his RFA, his three-year entry-level contract. Like, why is he up now after one season? Did they, did they kick that in, or was that some kind of agreement when they got him here that they would accelerate that they did burn remember they burned a year of his deal to get him over here which was really crappy because they brought him over for the bubble last season they couldn't play yeah Yeah. they didn't let him play this was the thing where i thought the nhl was just making up rules as they went along um so (laughs) i actually that's a good question on the three-year deal i'm not sure why he only is it's uh, his age yeah i think it is his. oh that's okay yeah that's right he's he's that's right he's older right barely eligible for the caller okay Yes. Yeah, we've gone over that too. <laughs> yeah. We've talked about this guy before, I think. I think we have. But yeah. I mean, my point is like obviously Kaprizov holds a lot of cards here. I'm with you though, Darren. I think this is all posturing. It's it's amazing this stuff leaks, right? Who's got stuff to gain when this he stuff does. leaks? Well, yeah. he, he does on the agent, right? Right. Yeah. So yeah. And this is actually a good reminder. That's how this this crap goes all the time, right? So when you hear these rumors, think about the motivation around who benefits from them being leak so you know that's that's how it works from afar it looked like he really enjoyed playing for the wild and, yeah. and in the nhl right so that makes me kind of lean more towards what you guys are saying about it being a posture it doesn't seem like he was unhappy and wanted out or traded you never heard any of that yeah and the other thing about it is like the reason he's in moscow is because he's at a buddy's wedding so <laughs> he's not like and there he's, specifically he's to negotiate there, with he? seska yeah but i just i don't know it's concerning nonetheless I think I think you're getting a little worked up. Okay, let's well then let's move on to. <laughs> I'd be really concerned actually. Sound of Hockey's <laughs> three stars. My star of the week is Braden Point, who has an eight-game goal streak for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, do you guys think the Kraken can get him in the expansion draft? Sure, I'm sure they'll expose them. Okay, yeah, good. Uh, yeah, eight-game goal streak. <laughs> Apparently, that's the first time ever in uh, the playoffs that a player has scored in eight consecutive games. So I guess that's pretty good. Decent. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Andy, your star of the week. My star of the week is from the same Tampa Bay Lightning, and it's Nikita Kucherov. Oh. Late season acquisition by the Lightning. Yeah, he had uh, <laughs> year-long food poisoning, didn't he? That's right. Yeah, He is tied with Braden Point for, for points in the playoff scoring. But uh, on Monday night, he had three assists in the route over the Islanders, and that is the third time this year he's done that in the playoffs, had three assists. And all time, he has uh, done that eight times, and he's fifth all time. He's tied with three other guys for the, for the most uh, instances of three assist games in the playoffs. Can you name one of the other three that he's tied with, guys? A little quick quizzical here. No. Wait, whoa, whoa. Give, give me that again. Let me hear it. So in the playoffs, he's had eight games over his career. He's had 106 playoff games, and in eight of those, he had three assists or more. So he's tied for fifth all time with that number, and he's tied with three other guys who also had eight in their career. I'm gonna go Gretzky, Yari Curry. 
Ron Francis. No, no, no. You guys are both wrong. Vinny Danfus. No, no. Norm MacGyver. No. MacGyver. He is tied with Mario Lemieux, who also had eight. And one more game. He played one more game than Kucherov has in the playoffs. Yarmie Yager also had eight. Heard of him. And Adam Oates. Oh. Known for his playmaking ability. Yeah. 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 Wayne Gretzky had 28. That's how he's so far ahead. Mark Messier is second with 12, and Gretzky had 28. (laughs) Oh, I see. He's tied with three other guys that had eight, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they were leading the way. No, they're tied for fifth. They're all tied for fifth. I misunderstood that. that, Okay. That list. Interesting. That's a tricky one. Yep, that That's is a bit a of a tricky, tricky one. one. Uh, <laughs> that was real minutiae, by the way. Yeah. Minnesota minutiae. Right. John, <laughs> who was your star of the week? Well, first, I want to call out Andy for, I'm glad he clarified that Kucherov had three assists in a game twice this year. Is that what the deal Three times. The third time. Three times. Yep. And you had to clarify it was the playoffs, not the regular season. As if he had none. Played the regular, regular season. season. <laughs> yeah. He had none. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, no assists. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Paul Byron is my star of the week. Mm. Third liner for the Montreal Canadiens has two goals in the Vegas series, including the game winner in game two. And what I love about him for one, he's a third liner. So he doesn't get a lot of uh, ice time and he doesn't get a lot of airplay. Like, but he was originally claimed off waivers to get onto the Montreal Canadiens. And then all season, he was up and down on the taxi squad, which meant he had to clear waivers several times. And so here it is this guy scores two game winning goals in the entire playoffs for the Montreal Canadiens, including game one against Toronto. And, you know, here he is having a breakout performance during the playoffs. So I love that. I love those stories. And that's what the playoffs are all about to me. Paul Byron has been really impressive. Like he's opened my eyes. I I don't think I've watched Montreal that much over the regular season, but I mean, in these playoffs, he's been, he's really impressed me. Like he is lightning fast. He seems mm-hmm. to get opportunities where he's just creating them himself. And he, yeah, like you said, he's cashed in a couple of times. So a uh, good pick there, John. That wraps up Sound of Hockey's three stars. We now move on to our weekly one-timers. Our first weekly one-timer. We've had a couple of positive COVID tests. I thought we were over this, guys. I thought we stopped having positive COVID tests. No, not, uh, yet, not so, yet. Yeah, Kelly McCrimmon of the Vegas Golden Knights and Dominique Ducharme, the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens, are both in isolation. Uh, Ducharme has missed the last two games. Uh, not great here. Yeah. Nope. I, I know uh, McCrimmon has been caught several times without his mask. Mm. Um, and then you wonder where this all came. You know, they both have been playing, obviously, in the, in the, in the same building. And, you know, Ducharme probably impacts more because he's the coach whereas McCrimmon I don't know if you need you do you need your GM on, on a playoff game is, no, he, no. is he a, I don't know what he does up there but uh <laughs> obviously just shamed on the on the bench making decisions and so uh Alex Burroughs has taken over former Canuck legend legend the concern here though is I'm sure everybody's along this COVID journey differently and we all have different levels of tolerance and risk and the concern is McCrimmon and Ducharme have gotten a little looser with their protocols, right? Mm-hmm. And they're probably around players at times. And so the concern is that they potentially pass this on to a player. And we know that the vaccines aren't 100%. And so you never know if this could kind of bleed into the locker room as in it'd be part of the, the players might get it. Yeah. Now, it sounds like we're through the kind of risky period, like the first 48 hours uh, for Montreal. But uh, Vegas, I think we're, they're still kind of waiting for a couple more uh, days of no positive tests. Um, but that's that's a concern. And how brutal would it be to get to this point oh, yeah. and then have it run rampant through a locker room or, or even just take out one of the big stars that either team needs? So got my fingers crossed. So Well, the, the good news is as of yesterday, Monday, and we don't I haven't seen anything today, but there were no other no players or anybody else put on the, the, the COVID list. So yeah. 
so far so good on that front. Yep. Our next weekly one-timer. Whoopsh. Tennessee State is planning to add a Division One college hockey program. Why is this significant, John? Well, for one, adding any college hockey these days, Div 1, is Mm -hmm. pretty big deal. But what's interesting about Tennessee State is it's one of the HBCUs, which is Historical Black College and Universities. I guess the Predators are a big proponent of this and are getting behind it. Right now, it's just a study that's supposed to be complete by the fall. But there are people inside the university that are actually like hockey parents that are really promoting this and trying to kind of make this happen. It would be pretty significant and pretty cool to see it happen. Could change the face of college. College hockey in a way. So uh, I'm definitely hopeful that this will happen as well. Our next weekly one-timer. The NHL has sent out two drafts of the 21-22 schedule to teams. Why have they done this? Well, one of the drafts is with the Olympics included and one is without. So they're kind of giving teams an idea of what it could look like. Uh, They're planning on starting the season on October 12th. And from what I understand, we're still a ways from actually seeing that schedule. Um, but they are starting that process. And I think it's been reported that we would see the schedule like third week in July. So mm-hmm. probably right around the expansion draft or right before it as to kind of keep the news going, which is cool because I know a lot of people are worried about when are the games going to be played, cracking, how many road trips are we taking, you know, what kind of press credentials the Sound of Hockey team gets, all that <laughs> stuff. That's what the people are, are wondering about. Yeah, the people, not us. <laughs> <laughs> Our final weekly one-timer. There's been a few player movement rumors so jack eichel's name has been all over the place uh after he said he he wants to play somewhere next year but he doesn't know where it is and all that stuff what's the latest on him john well it sounds like anaheim's in the mix and chicago's in the mix mm-hmm. you're gonna love that oh yes um, yeah so is minnesota um, minnesota's in the mix too and columbus i've seen that i said something about the anaheim rumor no i guess yeah i guess you're going the, to the word is that buffalo wants an extra high pick they have the first overall pick but they'd like another one and obviously, you could probably get that for Eichel. And when I wrote a, a draft profile recently about Owen Power, the defenseman who may go number one overall to Buffalo, and yes. a few people went out of their way to tell me that that was never going to happen, that they, they, there's no way Buffalo would pass on Owen Power. But let me throw out a scenario to you. Let's say that Anaheim gives them pick number three for Jack Eichel. And let's say that there's a lot of defensemen available in this draft. There's that Simon Edvidson, there's Brant Clark, there's Luke Hughes. So would it be surprising if Buffalo took Matty Beneers number one and then one of those other defensemen with the number three pick, which would that would then slide Owen Power to two and the Kraken? I don't think that's ridiculous. And the other thing is that, you know, we've talked about this too, that Rasmus Dahlin is already a left shot defenseman, yep. as is Owen Power. So do you need two left shot, you know, as opposed to yep. a skilled center? So I don't think it's I that agree. ridiculous. When I when I read that you your point about uh, how Owen Power could slip to the Kraken, I didn't think it was ridiculous at all. You said it's somewhat yes. of a long shot anyway. Yeah. So it's not mm-hmm. like you were saying like there's a chance. And we know that already because although most draftless have Owen Power going number one. He's not the same number one in previous years where it's like obvious choice. So anybody who claims that is just reading a lot of people that are forecasting Mm -hmm. based on nothing else other than they see other people saying that he's going number one. And it's a good lesson when you're looking at draft rankings because ultimately none of those draft rankings that are on the internet matter because it's all depending on what the team thinks. Like what what does Buffalo's rank rankings, draft rankings look like? It's irrelevant what the rest of them are. So I, I just say stay tuned on that. We'll see what happens. I wonder, here's what I wonder, Andy. Yes. Is if there's somebody else that's really interested in Owen Power 
Oh. That Buffalo, if they get this third pick from Anaheim, they would then go ahead and trade the number one for something else for more assets. Like Darren, you said they don't they don't really need another left shot defenseman. I mean, they can always have more, but and somebody like Owen Power, but they don't need him as much as other people do. And so somebody would be willing to probably trade a heck of a lot more. And they're probably like, it doesn't matter. We're, we got a third pick. That's that's kind of more in line with what we need. So that's a scenario too. Yeah, yeah, I like that idea. The, the one hesitation I have about that and. and- and people have talked about maybe the Kraken should trade their number two pick. I'm not sure how much interest there is in that. That you're right though. There could be a team that really loves Owen Power or or, or maybe even Beniers and they want to get that number one pick. So there's no no risk right of losing them. But we always we hear about how this draft isn't that deep and isn't that great. And so I wonder if teams are going to be more hesitant to move up because these players aren't you know as elite as we might have had in other drafts. That's just my one hesitation on, on those those. Well, I mean, but that's all that's all part of the deal, right? Like, you know, maybe they package up a couple other players or player. Yeah, that's why I think like the Anaheim thing makes sense because they'd be getting Jack Eichel. So that's probably worth a third pick overall, and especially in this year's draft. So and two other players that are rumored to be moving Vince Dunn and Oliver Ekman Larson. I feel like Oliver Ekman Larson has been in trade rumors for like 10 years. Yeah, he's a he's a chronic trade rumor. (laughs) Remember Uh, last year he he demanded a trade and he he only wanted to go to Vancouver and they they, they couldn't make it happen. uh, or Boston, or Boston. That's right. Yeah, and he has yeah. a no. He has a no move, I believe. Right. Yeah, he does. That's correct, Andy. Uh, but I, I believe he's willing to accept other locations now. He's a little bit more like I need to get out of Arizona. Yeah, now, probably good idea because it didn't work last time. <laughs> the bummer is he's he's not playing well. So so Arizona yeah. is selling at his low point for yeah. the most part, mm-hmm. and he's got at least five years left on his deal. So yeah, that's why you got to be careful with those no move clauses that you hand out. Yeah. And I was, I was <laughs> looking at uh, Dougie Hamilton. We talked about last week is looking to sign p- potentially an eight year deal with some club out there. Ekman Larson was the same age as Hamilton is now, or they're mm. within a year apart. And so that's a cautionary tale for signing these eight-year deals to 28, 29-year-old defensemen. I have a question about that Dougie Hamilton situation, and I haven't looked this up, and maybe, John, you might know. As far as the Kraken go, if so he's looking for a sign-and-trade, right? So he would come to an agreement with the team and then go back to Carolina and they would make a trade. Theoretically, um, yeah. If, if the Kraken were to do that, to sign him and then do the trade, does that count as their pick from Carolina? Because they're not technically signing him as a UFA. Well, okay. it depends. They could work out the deal, or maybe they don't work out the deal. They negotiate with Dougie Hamilton and just just wait and then select him. So then it would count. But if they do a Mm. a sign and trade deal, like in a traditional standpoint, that would be outside the experience. Yeah, because they'd be giving something up. Yeah. Okay. That that, that part makes sense. I was just curious if they did it now. Yeah. If that would count as their pick. I didn't think it would. That wraps up our weekly one timers. And we close the show with our tweets of the week. Gents, I think I'm going to get through the show. I think that this is. We're almost there. You're not horizontal. Not yet. Not yet, but I would don't, like don't to be. Don't jinx it. Don't jinx it. There's yeah. still like 10 minutes. I'm going to go back to bed here as soon as we're done, I think. You're a warrior. Uh-huh. We we close the show with our tweets of the week. Andy, your tweet of the week. My tweet of the week comes from the Brandon Wheat Kings. And uh, you may remember the play that uh, Ryan Pollock made at the end of the Islanders-Tampa Bay game. Oh, yeah. Where he, yeah, that was a decent a pretty play. Ama- a pretty amazing play where he dove in front of the net. It would have been a sure-tying goal in the last seconds mm-hmm. and batted it away. So he played for the Brandon Wheat Kings in WHL. And so the Brandon Wheat Kings tweeted out right after that game. They got this pretty quick, so I'm, I'm pretty pretty impressed by how fast they got this. And the tweet says, hey, Siri, show us the four best Wheat King goalies to ever play in the NHL. And the first picture is Ron Hextall. The second picture is some guy from the Blues who I can't identify. The third, <laughs> the third pick is Trevor Kidd, who we was playing for Calgary. And the fourth pick is a pick of Brian Pulak knocking that puck away from the net. <laughs> nice. So Love it. pretty clever. And they got it. They got it pretty quick. John, your tweet of the week. It comes from Lexi LaFleur. 
Uh-huh. Do you know who she is? That's the wife of JT Brown. That's right. She says, I can finally follow the Seattle Kraken without any of you guys getting suspicious about it. So <laughs> she's a great follow on Twitter. I've followed her for years. She's pretty outspoken. She's great. Follow her because she's part of the Kraken family now. Yeah. Uh, my tweet of the week comes from Justin C underscore 99. It says, Islanders fans are handling this well. And that's a really like poor quality video, but they captured this guy on, on one of the TV broadcasts uh, at Tampa Bay. So on Monday's game that ended 8-0. And he gets up from his seat, which looks to be in the lower bowl, takes off his Islanders jersey, slams it down in the <laughs> stairs, and just walks out, which uh, wow. made me chuckle pretty hard. You remember there was that stretch where all the Canadian teams, like if they were really bad, they'd, the fans would throw their jerseys on the ice? This yes. is, you know, yeah. this is like, all right, I can at least come back for my jersey later, but I just want to yep. show people that I'm really mad. I also wonder how, like, all the Tampa <laughs> Bay fans around him reacted to that, right? Like, that must have been a great it's moment for funny. Lightning fans in the neighborhood. I mean, like, come on, you're not out of the series yet. It's just 3 2. No. You could, and one blowout game doesn't matter. You can wipe that off pretty quickly and get back at it. Like, man, have some faith. That is right. All right, this wraps up episode 143 of the Sound of Hockey. Thank you again to PDX Port for the great five-star review. Leave your five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll read it on the next episode. This is, I mean, this is my flu game. This is the Michael Jordan flu game. So That's right. you've witnessed greatness today. Uh, happy we'll to have you here. About <laughs> uh, <laughs> subscribe on Stitcher, subscribe on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and we will talk to you all next week for episode 144. Cheers. Cheers.